It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, as promised, we're going to talk some Penn State football. Of course, the big game against Ohio State this weekend. It's been on everybody's calendars forever. And joining me, my colleague from Locked On, from Locked On, Nick Lions, is Zach Seiko. Zach, good to see you. How are you? Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me on the show. I'm I'm amped up. This is the one that if Penn State can beat Ohio State, a lot of good things come from this more than just a win. You know, I spent a lot of time on uh, on the Big Ten channel talking about Penn State all summer long because the feeling mm-hmm. kind of was, hey, it's not just Michigan. It's not just Ohio State. Penn State's right there. Now the question is, are they better than? Because I know uh, a lot of summertime talk. Hey, this team's thinking national championship. This is yep. James Franklin's best team. Um, but I still run into a couple of Penn State alum and fans that they're like, yeah, I'll believe it when when I see it because of the past problems so with Ohio State. Other good Penn State teams have come up short. Yep. But I think this feels different. I think this game is going to be a big deal. But uh, do you run into people uh, that are Penn State fans that are like, oh, okay, when we actually do it, I'll believe it. Penn State fans, college football spectators, because that's just it. Well, Penn State hasn't beaten Ohio State in six years. It's going on. This is this is season number seven in a row where Penn State's got to break the streak. Uh, they had the most re- had the more memorable performance was the one where they were leading by double digits in the fourth quarter, uh, and then they lost thirty nine to thirty eight in the horseshoe. But they played Ohio State tough between twenty sixteen through twenty eighteen. 2019 Ohio State, that was a special team. We know that. We saw how good they were. 2020 is where that things changed. Penn State just did not keep up with recruiting because of all the COVID restrictions. And Ohio State were able to stay afloat. I don't know how much they necessarily progressed. Like, did any, nobody benefited from, from all of those things that happened, right? Uh, sports yeah. and everything in this world. But Penn State really took a step back. And now they're finally in that spot and they're better. Because of it, I feel like James Franklin and the coaching staff really targeted their efforts to get back to this. And then they landed a signature 2022 class, which is where you have Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, Deny Dennis Sutton, Katron Allen, and the rest of them. They've been stacking recruiting classes. And I feel like Ohio State has te- taken a small step back and Penn State has taken a big leap forward. You know, another issue for Penn, or for uh, Ohio State this weekend, I think they're down, at least they were going into the week, down three running backs, down their second-best receiver and a corner. And as you know, getting intel has been pretty tough this week because they're not going to share any information. I don't know how nope. many of those guys are going to be back, but certainly there may be a uh, weakened Ohio State team, although in reality, they'll probably all play, right? <laughs> yeah. They're going, they're going to go. Uh, and the benefit for Penn State is, and I hate to see this because as a neutral college football fan, just a neutral sports fan in general, I want to see Ohio State at its best. I want to mm-hmm. see Penn State at its best. I don't want Penn State to just happen to have a more convenient weekend to beat the Buckeyes here, vice versa, whatever. I, I don't want to catch them. I want to see if Penn State can actually beat Ohio State at its best. But on this case, you said that is Ohio State better than Penn State? All that matters is, are the Nittany Lions going to be better than the Buckeyes on Saturday, October 21st? And in this case, they are because Trayvon Henderson's not 100%. Mayan Williams certainly isn't 100%. Those are your top two running backs for Ohio State. Given a team that has already struggled mightily inside the red zone against, yes, they played Notre Dame. Yes, they're very battle-tested. But they've played some other cupcake teams like Penn State has. And they're 68th in red zone percentage. 
if I have that correctly. So Penn State, who's already a much more efficient defense, top in the nation, according to the analytics, overall top secondary for sure. And they're very good in the red zone as well. So the Buckeyes, I think the Buckeyes are going to be able to move the football, but I also think they're going to settle for a lot of field goals. And Penn State is going to get theirs and set up short fields for an offense that, yes, does have question marks and why people say that, well, I'll see it when I believe it. One thing I noticed watching Ohio State football is they got a lot of new guys on the offensive line this year, and they really haven't quite gelled yet. Like they have trouble getting to the second level and taking out a linebacker. I think mm-hmm. in the Maryland game, they averaged like two yards per carry. Yeah. I think that's something that maybe that Penn State's defense could take advantage of here Saturday. Well, and for Penn State, the secondary is better that I won't say significantly better. But the pass defense is better than the run defense. The defensive, the defensive ends, the pass rushers are better than the interior defensive linemen trying to stop the run. And then you have Abdul Carter, who's basically this freelancer, does anything you ask him to, zone, man coverage, uh, be a quarterback spy, send him undesigned blitzes. Yeah. So Penn State, they are just set up to handle the pass. And it shows, even though they haven't been as battle-tested as the Buckeyes here. But for Penn State's advantage, yes, having an Ohio State offensive line that isn't as good when they had C.J. Stroud back there to allow him to pick defenses apart, Justin Fields as well. The fact that, that and that's my point, Ohio State has taken a step back at quarterback. Kyle McCord is not the same as C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. I don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. He's good. I think he's yeah. really good. But he's not those two guys. And then the offensive line, they have been the best in the nation. And I hate to admit that, but they've been in the best in the nation at times over the past five years and even the past decade. This year, not so much. Yeah. So Kyle McCord's not going to get the same time that Stroud did. And the running game isn't going to be able to help set up what Kyle McCord wants to do as well. So overall, Penn State is just going to have those benefits that they didn't have in, in the past five years as well. It's a couple of things about Drew Aller I want to talk to you about. And, yeah. you know, he came out. He was kind of like the shiny new car this year. And by the way, good job, Penn State. You're like the Green Bay Packers of, of quarterbacking in college football. You don't worry about quarterback. You get guys, they stay for four or five years, and then you then you worry about the next one later. Mm-hmm. But Drew Aller uh, came out swinging. I remember watching the West Virginia game. He throws a nice ball. The kid's, kid's really great. He's fun to watch. Um, I did notice on your two road games, right, Illinois and Northwestern, not as good. And this is, uh, look, this isn't uh, Ryan Field in Northwestern. This is Ohio State. You think there'll be any impact whatsoever on him, or is he is he ready to go? I don't think it's a matter of pressure in terms of crowd atmosphere. I think people need to remember that Drew Aller is from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you can you can look at this two ways. I'm going to start with this. Going back to Ohio, this is almost a homecoming for him personally. Entire family's from Medina, right? They're not too far. Ohio State was supposed to be the school that everyone was thinking about when he was a kid. And if he dreamed of football as a youngster, you know, I've never spoken to him about that. But if he had aspirations when he was six, seven, eight years old, Ohio State was going to be the place. And then the Buckeyes almost shunned him because, well, he wasn't a five star right out of the gate. He was a three star. Mike Yersich recognized that. James Franklin recognized that. And then they recruited him all the way from the beginning to the end where Ohio State offered him two months to go uh, before National Signing Day. So this is an opportunity for, I I think, Drew Aller to maybe shake off any demons, the nervousness, right? You are going, you are performing in front of your home state. Then on top of that, you also get to act a, a little revenge here because this was the same school that didn't respect you the same way that Penn State did. 
Now, Penn State has an awesome running game, but let's stick with Drew Aller for a minute because mm-hmm. there was the press conference in the, earlier in the week with James Franklin, a reporter, tried to ask him, hey, uh, let's just chuck it. You guys don't throw deep. I think you had that reporter on your podcast afterward. What do you think about that? Do they throw deep enough? I think they're concealing things, but I also you also have you can only make lemonade with lemons. And Penn State doesn't have that stretch the field player that they have had in the past. Keandre Lambert Smith is a possession receiver. Trey Wallace is a possession receiver. Dante Cephas is supposed to be that, but he transferred in in the middle of the summer. So he's still picking up the playbook, and everyone said, well, time's up, time's up. No, the second half of the season, the bye week, is for those kinds of things. So I think Penn State is concealing it because you don't need the deep ball against Illinois. You don't need the deep ball against Northwestern. You can run because they've been so stubborn with inside zone and everyone's looking around like you're getting three yards. Why are you doing this? You have the best left tackle in football. Run it his way. That's coming. More plays that are going to keep the Ohio State defense and the Michigan defense honest are coming. I think last year with the 2022 game, Michigan and Penn State, Michigan have been running inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, all on tape because they played that kind of basic schedule to start, that preseason mm-hmm. schedule that we all know about routinely for Harbaugh and Michigan. Yeah. And for Penn State, they had a similar setup where they could basically play chess and not checkers. So they're showing the same thing, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. So what the Wolverines did in that game was they started running counter, and Penn State didn't have any tape on it. They weren't prepared for it. They had to own up to it. It was a poor coaching job, and it was a poor job by the linebackers to not recognize it in the moment. Harbaugh made halftime adjustments. Penn State didn't, but it was nowhere to be found in those first few games leading up to that 2022 game. So the same thing here. Penn State has concealed a lot of its bread-and-butter plays that are specifically designed for Ohio State and Michigan. So you're going to see more deep passing. You're also going to see just some more outside runs. I think you're going to see Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen on the field at the same time, and Penn State might even go up-tempo. Mike Yursich has done this when he was an OC at Oklahoma State. You have two, two of the best running backs in the Big Ten in all of the country, and that's certainly coming, and it's for games like this. You don't need to do that against Delaware, UMass, even Iowa. You didn't yeah. even need to do that against Iowa, and that's my point. <laughs> that's an interesting take for sure. Uh, I'm assuming Kalen King will be on Marvin Harrison Jr. all day. How do you see that matchup? Well, Penn State, at least if we're going off of what we've seen last year, Manny Diaz likes to keep his players on the boundary. So if they slide Marvin Harrison to the slot to create some mismatches, Manny Diaz a season ago matched up a safety, Keaton Ellis, uh, or whatever safety was in the slot, on Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, he wasn't in the slot the entire game. These were just select plays that were big plays to seal the deal for Ohio State. But I do to sit back and predict, I would like to think that Manny Diaz is going to adjust but I also don't want them to break blueprint because I think Johnny Dixon is capable of covering Marvin Harrison Jr. on select plays. Both of them are going to win battles. That's the thing. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get his. Kalen King's going to get his. Johnny Dixon's going to get his. Wherever Harrison Jr. lines up on the field for at, at any given time. So, yes, I want Kalen King to shadow Marvin Harrison Jr. wherever he goes. But this isn't a, a, a man. There's, there's a lot of zone. There's a lot of man. It's a hybrid defense for many defense, uh, Diaz. There's going to be corner blitzes. So Kalen King's not going to be able to match up Marvin Harrison Jr. 99, 100% of the time, because that's just not the way the defense is designed. But uh, we'll see if there are some different, uh, some different wrinkles in the defense to put Kalen King on an island in those make-or-break type of situations. 
Now, what was the situation that led to Dequan Hardy and UMass uh, running back to two punts for touchdowns? I, I didn't realize he had never returned a punt before. Was, was somebody injured? Did they make a change? And I assume he's going to be the punt return guy moving forward? Well, he should be if we're talking about explosive plays, which has been a storyline for just Penn State in general on the offensive side and on special teams. You're trying to score. And for Daquan Hardy, I assumed that he was going to be the punt returner. I got some intel that Penn State liked what they saw out of Daquan Hardy in the offseason, but typically they like to put a wide receiver back there, and Caden Saunders had capability. But now that you have this big play ability coming from Daquan Hardy, and he was injured to start the season. So for Daquan Hardy, who hadn't been a regular punt returner, I didn't know, I didn't realize he was that quick. I didn't realize that he was that fast. I thought he was a solid corner in the slot, but he is much faster than meets the eye. So you almost have to put him back there at this point. But there were rumblings that Hardy was going to be the starting punt returner. Injuries changed some things. Caden Saunders was able to hold down the fort. And then you had those big plays from Hardy that kind of changes things here now. Well, I can't wait for this football game, as uh, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Uh, everybody, uh, Zach Seiko, locked on Nittley Lions. Uh, check him out. Zach, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here today. I appreciate you having me on as a guest, Craig, and looking forward to it anytime you need me. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.